Merry Christmas. If you would, open your Bibles. We're looking at Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. It's a familiar story. It's uh, in your pew Bibles on page 807, or it's printed in your bulletin right there for you to see. Before we read our text, though, let me ask you a question. Would you rather be intelligent or wise? Some of you think, how about both? The question is, one or the other, would you rather be intelligent or wise? You know, I think we all know people who are really intelligent. We marvel at how they solve the Rubik's Cube in like less than a minute, and their brains are able to recall facts and figures and and compute things as if they're a, a walking computer. Oh, to be really intelligent. But is it better to be intelligent or wise? You know, I think we all know smart people who lack wisdom and their lives have suffered for their poor decision making. See, someone who's intelligent can use their intelligence for good and for evil. They can cure disease and they can hack into your savings account. Intelligence can be useful or harmful while wisdom always has positive effects. Think about that. Wisdom always operates for good. The story we're about to read invites you to wisdom to reject foolish approaches to seeing Jesus and wisely respond to Jesus for who he truly is. As we're going to see, there's a number of characters in this story. There's King Herod and there's the the townspeople. Um, There's also the religious leaders. And then there are the wise men. The Greek word for wise men is magoi, from which we get our word magi. In this story, only the magi respond wisely to the birth of Jesus. All the others, for various reasons, reject him. And in the end, they lack the joy and the peace that only he can bring into our lives. And so as we read this story, see how each one reacts. And then try to find your place in the story. Which group best represents you? Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, 
gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the word of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. If we want to know God, if we want to know his will, if we want to know his way, then we must know his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have kept this story intact for us 2,000 years later uh, to sit over the shoulders of Matthew as he's written this story, to recount it in our own lives today, to search for wisdom from above and to seek the one to which that wisdom points to, your son, Jesus Christ. May we have true wisdom this morning by your spirit to apprehend appropriately what you would have us to believe concerning our Savior. Amen. At this very moment, somewhere in the United States, there are up to four children under the age of 18 who will grow up to become the President of the United States of America. But now no one is chasing them down, seeking them out, trying to find them. And how would you know if you found one? It would take more than wisdom, right? Take a little bit of luck. The best thing you could say after looking at a two-year-old who would become the future president is to say, who knows? Only time will tell. It's only after becoming president that the uniqueness of their childhood becomes apparent. It was different with Jesus, though. Wise men came from far away to see the one who was born of such a low status. They understood the significance of this child, did they not? They arrived at Jerusalem, the capital city, and they asked the king, where is he who was born the king of the Jews? They knew who he was born to become. But understand this, listen, it's not enough to get Jesus' identity right. We must get right before him. We see this in the wise men who traveled many miles over many days so that they may be right before him. As they told King Herod, we saw his star, he's got his own star, and we have come to worship him. What we'll see over the next few minutes is that the wise still seek him. They seek him for they believe that this very Jesus born of Mary is God's answer for all this world's brokenness and sorrow. The wisdom of Christmas leads us to a proper standing of who Jesus is and what he must come to be for us in our lives. Jesus is God in the flesh, come into the world to put an end to all that imprisons this world in darkness. And because of this, the wise still seek him. Over the next few minutes, we will investigate the responses of these various characters that we read about, and we're going to try to see perhaps where we fit in to this story. First is the response of King Herod. King Herod responds with anger. If you're taking notes, anger. They're all going to start with A. All right. The wise men show up at his castle. Could you imagine that? And, um, and they come seeking the one who's been born king of the Jews. But Herod knows something. He knows that over the last few years there have been no children born in his household. So what? He interprets this as a threat. And therefore we read, when King Herod heard the news, he was disturbed and all the townspeople of Jerusalem with him. 
But know this, this is how Herod typically responds. Herod had already been king for about 30 years. He was old and he would eventually die shortly after Jesus' birth. As one of my seminary professors, Dan Doriani, whom I'm indebted to this morning, he writes this. He says, Herod was an immensely gifted man, skilled in hand-to-hand combat. Wow, that's cool. In rhetoric, in politics, and in solving the Rubik's Cube. All right, threw that in there to see if you're listening. All right, none of that. All right. He excelled in famine relief, building projects, but he became cruel and paranoid later in life and bent all of his efforts at retaining this power. He was perpetually fearing plots on his life. As a result, he executed his own wife, Mariamne, and three of his own sons. In the passage right after ours, what does he do? He sends a decree to kill off all of the males born in Bethlehem that are two years old or younger. Herod worshipped himself. And this blinded himself. It caused him to be angry. It blinded himself to the wisdom of God. But you know, so to us. Of course, we're not as cruel as Herod, right? But we can share similar hearts, hearts which beat for ourselves and for our own little kingdoms. It's just a matter of degree, is it not? Until we have the wisdom to respond correctly to Christ, there is no room on the thrones of our lives for the Son of God to rule and to reign over us. Countless millions of people, in hearing of Jesus, reject them because they too are disturbed at what it would mean for their lives. We want to be kings and queens of our own kingdom, so we we lack the wisdom to, to come to Christ and joyfully worship him as our Savior King. Do you see this in your own life? Next is the response of the townspeople, and they respond with anxiety. Matthew writes in verse 3 that when Herod became troubled, so too all of Jerusalem was troubled with him. And think of this. Herod was the prototype uh, of of every tyrant throughout the centuries. He was talented, uh, but fearless and vain and cruel and violent. And so in Jerusalem, if Herod was disturbed, so too everyone else was disturbed. Doriani writes, Matthew is foreshadowing the future of Jesus who arouses hostility and resentment, upheaval and suffering. So we must understand the lack of enthusiasm among the people. And yet they shouldn't have been indifferent to the Magi's report. After all, the arrival of the Magi seems to fit the prophecies that they would have known. Jeremiah said that the Messiah would be a king, and the Magi said that the one that was born was the king of the Jews. Isaiah said, nations will come to your light, and the the Magi represent the nations. The book of Numbers prophesied that a star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will arise out of Israel. And the prophet Micah, that that, that the religious leaders quoted in our passage, right near that same quote, um, the prophet Micah says... And they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And listen. And he shall be their peace. Years later, Jesus would say, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. 
This baby is a long-awaited shepherd king who draws his people in, who provides security, who removes anxiety and worry. To all who come to him, he shall be their peace. The report of the long-awaited Messiah, that he has been born, should have produced ecstasy and profound joy, which leads to worship, and yet they missed him. Their shepherd king had just been born, but they lacked the wisdom to draw near in hope and in faith. The third response is of the two religious leaders, the two groups. How do they respond? They respond with apathy. One group is the chief is the chief priest, and the other is the scribes. Now, they were polar opposites. The scribes were the really conservative teachers of Scripture. They were bent on preserving the traditions of the religion, of the Jewish culture. The chief priests, they were part of the ruling party called the Sadducees, and they were the wealthy, p- politically aspiring leaders in the, in the community. They, their, their power was there because of their allegiance to the Roman Empire. Why did Herod ask these two different groups where the Messiah was born? Because if these two disparate groups could agree on the same answer, then he would know for certain where this child lay. In verses 5 and 6, both groups quote from chapter 5 of the prophet Micah. Where will this king be born? Well, Micah tells us he will be born in Bethlehem in the land of Judea. That's what they say. They both passed their Bible exam. They knew their prophecies well. And no doubt they all went home that night, sat down at a meal, and they said, guess what happened to me today? The king sought my counsel, and I had the answer he sought. He was most pleased. Now, if it's possible to pick one group that saddens us most in their response, it would be the religious leaders. Religious leaders were satisfied to quote scripture and then go home. They should have rejoiced over the news. They should have dropped what they were doing to run to Bethlehem. But they never went to Bethlehem to seek the Savior who was born. Later, when Jesus was grown up, they would not believe in him when he ministered amongst them. In fact, they were the very first ones to call out, crucify him. As J.C. Robb points out, their heads were better than their hearts. And so the wisdom challenge for us today is this. Do you see how you can settle simply for head knowledge of Jesus Christ without ever coming to him with gladdened hearts of adoration and worship? We can have the gift of intelligence but miss out on the gift of God's grace in his sending his son for us. As J.C. Ryle says, the gift of intelligence can save no one, but the gift of grace can lead you to glory. This brings us to the fourth response, the appropriate response of the Magi. They respond with adoration. Now, many intellectuals will say this How did this story ever happen? They mock this story in the Bible. It's made up. Couldn't have happened. Uh, Stars that guide the way. Wise men that would follow a star. It just never happened. 
But before we look at the response of the Magi, let me point, point out a few facts that I think will open our eyes to the possibility that the Magi would have traveled as they did. First, who were the Magi? Well, they're not kings, but they were trusted advisors to kings. They were very smart, highly educated. And it wasn't just three of them. It most likely was a large entourage that had traveled over those many miles. Second, as we know, many of the intellectuals of their age were what? Astrologers. And so these magis most likely were astrologers too. They believed that the stars held answers. So what? They studied the stars. We also know that people back in that time believed that the birth of great kings or the death of great kings were marked by astrological signs. For instance, in 44 BC, Julius Caesar died. He was assassinated. As he was being buried over the funeral pyre appeared a super comet. It has come to be known as Caesar's Comet. Uh, you can look it up on the internet. We've got free Wi-Fi here, so go right ahead. There it is. Scientists say that it's possibly one of the brightest daylight comets ever seen by man. It lasted for seven days. The Chinese even record its presence. The poet Virgil, in writing about the period following Julius Caesar's assassination, said, Never did fearsome comets so often blaze. My point, ancient people believed that when great kings are born or about to die, something in the heavens will show it. Also consider this historical reality. In the first century AD, there was a strong belief all around the Mediterranean that a powerful ruler would come out of Judea. Many historians wrote about this expectation. Even the general Vespasian profited from this expectation. After Emperor Nero died, he committed suicide. Vespasian returned from where? Judea. He was over the uh, Jerusalem area. And he came back to Rome to campaign for the office of emperor. And as part of his campaign rhetoric was this. Can you imagine what it was? He wore a red ball cap with the sign saying, Make Rome Great Again. <laughs> All right, I'm joking. That, that didn't happen. Vespasian claimed, he claimed that he was that ruler who was to come out of Judea. Therefore, he should be the emperor. One last thing, add to this. We also know that when Jesus was born, there was this odd conjunction between uh, Saturn and Jupiter that really drove the astronomers crazy. All right. Therefore, in light of all that I've just said, the idea that magi would come from the east makes sense. They were astrologers who knew that about this great ruler who was to come out of Judea. And so when they saw the star, they loaded up the camels with gold and frankincense and myrrh. So the wise men really were wise to follow the star. Something great must be happening on earth. They knew it was the promised king of the people of God. And so they wisely followed the stars. But ponder this, their, their wisdom was insufficient, wasn't it? I mean, the star only got them so far. What else did they need? They needed the words of God in order to complete their journey. In this case, it was the 750-year-old words of the prophet Micah, that there would be this shepherd king, Messiah, and that he would be born in Bethlehem in Judea. See, the wisdom of our age only gets us so close to Christ we need the words of God to rightly find him, 
and to come to him. So all this to say, Magi traveling so far because of a star fits the time and the place of our story. But the most important thing to ponder is the actual wisdom of the Magi. Instead of anger of Herod, instead of the anxiety of the people, instead of the apathy of the religious leaders, the Magi respond with adoration. The scribes and the chief priests, they had far more and better information than the Magi did, didn't they? But the Magi acted wisely based upon what they knew. They traveled to see the child king. They left jobs serving kings and princes. They left home and family to follow a star. It was a perilous journey through alien lands, riding upon stinking donkeys and camels. They brought the most expensive gifts they could find. And when they arrived, they fell down before the Lord and worshipped him. And then gave him priceless gifts. They knew little, but they acted wisely upon what they knew. They bowed in reverence and worshipped. To worship means they took great joy and delight in recognizing the worthiness of the child that was before them. And because they took joy in their king, they gave gifts, costly gifts to Jesus. The Magi brought the best. And most likely, guess what? These expensive gifts saved the life of that child. How so? Well, in the very next chapter, Herod sends the edict to kill off all the children, all the males, two years and younger, in Bethlehem. And so his parents flee to Egypt. The gold and frankincense and myrrh would have bought them freedom and protection. You know, typically after people bring a king gifts, the king usually gives them something back. But in this case, this king couldn't give anything at that moment. But later, years later, Jesus would give the gift of eternal life to all who would seek him and come to him and believe. See, you and I today have far more knowledge than those magi. We know what happened to this baby. We know that he is the Son of God and that his Father has sent Christ in order to redeem mankind. God sent his own Son to live and to die and to rise again on our behalf so that what? We may become children of God and experience the peace of the Son of God. We need this mercy and this grace more than any other gift. May we have the wisdom of the Magi this Christmas to come before Jesus in adoration and worship him. The wisdom of Christmas leads us to Christ and it causes us to worship him. Do you seek him? The wise still do. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we confess we're often slow to believe. We're often slow to take the little gifts of information that you give us and follow the path to where it's meant to lead us. In this case, to your son who you gave to us so that all who believe may have everlasting life, peace on earth today and in peace in the kingdom to come. We pray for faith in this room. 
We pray that your spirit would impress upon us all that we need that we may come and seek Jesus today. We pray this in the name of our Savior. Amen.